0: Thank you for joining us for the Ravenswood Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor Dustin Moore. We are a Bible-believing, grace-driven church located on the north side of Chicago. As a church, we are passionate about making disciples of all people for the glory of God. If you would like more information about our ministry, visit ravenswoodbaptist.org. Now, here's Pastor Dustin. Well, I have bad news for you this morning that I know you want to hear, but I think I have the... Longest message that I've ever written uh, today. And so uh you pray for me, and I will pray that I can not keep you here till noon. I don't know about you, but I I hate instructions. As wonderful as Christmas Day is, every parent knows the impending doom of having to read the instructions on one of the kids' games or even a piece of furniture. I despise instructions. And if an instruction manual is necessary, I'm not buying the gift. (laughs) But the point is, whatever product you have purchased or are trying to get to be operable, you understand that instructions might be necessary to have success. Even if you think, that the instructions are only there to frustrate or annoy you, which is what I think. They're probably there to bring you to success. What happens in Joshua chapter 1 is all about success. Not our success, not my success or your success, but it's the success of the Israelites with the mission that is in front of them. Last Sunday, we looked briefly at specific aspects of the First few verses of Joshua 1. But today, I'd like to take a bigger picture look at what's going on. As we learned last week, and as verses 1 and 2 state of Joshua chapter 1, Moses is dead. Moses had led the people of Israel out of bondage bondage in Egypt, across the Red Sea, through the wilderness for 40 years, and up to the edge of the land. That was promised to the patriarchs, starting with Abraham going all the way to Moses. But God did not permit Moses to enter the promised land. God's choice in response to Moses' disobedience, along with other reasons that I will recommend at another time, God kept Moses from entering into the promised land once a land that was once dwelt in by Abraham and his family. God had seen fit in this moment, as we saw last week, to ordain a new leader for Israel, a man named Joshua. Joshua, as verse 1 tells us, was the minister or the servant of Moses. He had been with Moses for a significant time. He had seen that God was with Moses. He saw God use Moses. And he saw Moses submit to and walk with God. Now the baton has been passed. The baton has been passed. There's a new leader. There's a new sheriff in town. With last week setting the stage, let's see what the instruction manual looks like for Joshua and Israel's conquest of Canaan. So I want you to see this morning, I want you to see three breakdowns of the first chapter here. We're going to go all the way from verse 1 through verse 18. I'm going to give three breakdowns, followed by three practical application statements for us. Number one, I want you to see, to Joshua, the instructions from God. The instructions from God. Now work with me this morning. A little bit of of classroom feel for the next few moments, so stay with me. Look at verse number one. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Now, we've covered this now, but here is what we would consider to be the foundation of all that is about to follow for the next 24 chapters. It's the instructions about what they, Joshua and the Israelites are supposed to do. Joshua knew this. He knew this would be the mission when he followed God in leadership of Israel. Moses, also nearing the end of his life, told Joshua these words. Look with me at Deuteronomy 31. We're going to reference Deuteronomy quite a bit here this morning, so bear with me. And Moses called unto Joshua, verse 7 of chapter 31, and said unto him, in the sight of all Israel, Be strong. And of a good courage. For thou must go with this people unto the land, unto the land which the Lord had sworn unto their fathers to give them. And thou shalt cause them to inherit it. When the words of the Lord come to Joshua, more than likely, the 30 days of grieving that we saw, in De- we could find in Deuteronomy 31. The 30 days of grieving Moses' death are probably complete. And God basically says, okay, Joshua, it's your time. It's your time to do what I've called you to do, arise and go over this Jordan. Now, I've got to be clear to anyone from Chicago who hears the word Jordan that you might be thinking we're talking about the greatest of all time this morning, but unfortunately, we are not. We're talking about the Jordan River, okay? Okay. I know my mind is on Michael Jordan as well. This is a reference to the Jordan River, which is on the the east border, if you will, of the Promised Land. Now, we're going to use a map a little bit this morning, and I'm going to try to point to you a little bit, but this map is actually insufficient, Um, and I don't know how much of this you can see from where you are, but here here we find the the Jordan River, right there. Uh, That's the Jordan River Valley. And there you see Jericho, which we're going to see in a couple of weeks. You find the children of Israel are right around this area right here, and they're going to enter into the promised land. This is the land we're going to see in a moment that is considered Canaan. I'll show you a little bit more of those borders, but this is the east, the east border, if you will, of of the land of Canaan. Now, as they cross the Red Sea leaving Egypt, the people of Israel will cross, just like they did the Red Sea, they're going to cross the Jordan River to enter Canaan. God then presents a familiar promise to Joshua in this section on instructions as we're going to see. Look at verse 3 of Joshua 1. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon that I have given unto you as I said unto Moses from the wilderness and this Lebanon even under the great river the river Euphrates all the land of the Hittites and under the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. Now, Real quickly here. We're going to go back to the map for a minute. And, and then we have to understand a little bit of how this plays out. This is zoomed in for us a little bit. But here again, Jordan River Valley. Jordan River right there. We need to understand that when God said that your borders are, and let me make sure I give this to you correctly, that you're the wilderness of Lebanon. Okay, so we're going to go to the north. Okay, so we go to the north. And can we get the other map for just a moment? Uh, because we're going to go even above this map here okay so as far north farther north than what this map takes us is the north border then god tells him about the great river river euphrates now the river euphrates does not run does not run north south like this it actually runs to the northeast okay it runs to the northeast and it's way up here in fact down here you can see it a little better uh, if you can see in that square but the river Euphrates actually runs northeast. And so technically, and by the way, then we're going to go all the way down to the south here to the, to the, to the wilderness, and we're going to go to the west here as the Mediterranean. So technically, you need to understand that the, that the whole land that was promised by God to Abraham, to all the patriarchs, all the way up to Moses, and now to reaffirm to Joshua, actually runs about all the way down like this. It kind of comes a little bit more to the east, and then comes back west a little bit and comes down. So if you were to look at a modern-day map, you would find that the, that Canaan, the promised land, it, it is today in a modern-day context, it's Israel, Palestine. It is a small portion of Saudi Arabia. It is Syria, Lebanon, um, the country of Jordan. It is all of these lands that make up what is then Canaan. This is all the land promised to Mo- uh, Moses, and to Joshua here now, here and giving Joshua a map, he begins at that northern border, he works his way down, and so it's a massive chunk of land it's a very large so that what is now considered the modern day Israel is a very 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 small fraction of this land okay, and you got to understand that. this was stated in Deuteronomy eleven when God says here in deuteronomy eleven look at verse twenty four Every place where on the soles of your feet shall tread, shall be yours. From the wilderness in Lebanon, from the river, the river Euphrates, even to the uttermost sea shall be your coast. So the Lebanon in the north, uh, the wilderness in the south, uh, the, the Mediterranean uh, in, the, in the west, and the, uh, the river Euphrates all the way down to the Jordan River Valley on the east. God's conclusion here is pretty direct. All right. Look at verse 25 of Deuteronomy 11. There shall no man be able to stand before you. There shall no man be able to stand before you for the Lord your God shall lay the fear of you and the dread of you upon all the land that you shall tread upon as he hath said unto you. Now, we're going to find we're going to find that Moses' words of Deuteronomy 11 are absolutely true come the book of Joshua. Okay? They're absolutely true. Now, in Joshua 1, Joshua's promised that Every place where their foot treads, God will give them that land. Nobody will be able to stand before them. Look at verse 5 of Joshua 1. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. This is a promise from God. All of this, the promise of land, the promise that nobody outside of Israel will stop Israel. They're entering Canaan on God's authority, and that is what matters. These are the instructions from God. The climax of God's words to Joshua come, though, at the end of verse 5, all the way through verse 9. We're we'll going to take a moment and give some special attention to these words. Because, number one, they are very important to our understanding of the passage. Secondly, the words of verses 5 through 9 are very familiar to many. Very familiar to many. So, necessarily so, we spent a good amount of time on this passage last week, where we find these words of verse 5. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. This is a key theme, and we have to understand this, and if you're taking notes with me this morning, a key theme of the Bible and the story of the Bible is that God wants to be with His people. And He promises that He is with Joshua, but the promise isn't standalone. See, God has proved that He was with Moses. Joshua witnessed this. As I was with Moses. Joshua could attest to that. Because we saw Joshua last week in the door of the tabernacle, seeing God speak with Moses face to face as a man speaking with his friends. But in like manner, in the same way, as I was with Moses, so in the same way will I be with you, Joshua. Joshua, you're probably overwhelmed. Probably overwhelmed, but just like with Moses, I'm with you. Add to that, which is for emphasis purposes, in case we missed it the first time, in case Joshua missed it the first time, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. And he goes on and says, I will not fail thee. I won't forsake thee, nor will I forsake thee. Those words to Joshua are directed toward him. Yes, listen very carefully to this. They're directed toward Joshua. But I say to you this morning that every Christian can take those words directed at them as well. I'll explain more on that in a little bit. But here's the primary reasons why you can take these words, although they were spoken to Joshua, they are God's words to us as well for this reason, by the indwelling Holy Spirit. Every Christian, every Christian has the promise of God's presence day by day, moment by moment. Not only is God with us, but God will never leave us. The New Testament affirms this as well. The writer of Hebrews, speaking in the context of contentment, says in Hebrews 13, For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Going back to Deuteronomy 31. Be strong and of a good courage, fear not nor be afraid of them, the people of Canaan. For the Lord thy God, He it is that, d- that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. The writer of Hebrews says it. Moses says it. Then in 1 Chronicles chapter 28, we find David speaking these words to his son Solomon when he says, Be strong and of a good courage and do it. Do what God had called you to do. Build the temple, Solomon. Fear not, nor be dismayed. For the Lord God, even my God, will be with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. It is a regular promise of Scripture that God is with His people and He will not leave or forsake His people. Secondly, why else can we take these words directed at us this morning? That God is with us. Because And that He won't forsake us and He won't fail us. Listen very carefully to this. God's character... God's character would assure us that He cannot fail us because God cannot fail. Cannot fail. Not because we don't fail, but because God is incapable of failing. He is unable to fail. If God could fail, He would cease to be God. If I could just stop here and Give a parenthesis. Parents, it's these types of truths that we must teach our children. We're given in Scripture in moments like this. We're not given feel-good truth. We're given good theology that we're able to form by God's grace in their hearts and minds at an early age. And especially in moments. Say, when would I ever explain that to my children? When they fail. When they fail, it's a good... And by the way, they will. And... Not just for parents, this is good for adults. When somebody in your life fails, remind them that their hope and confidence is in a God that will not fail them or you. God reminds Joshua that he is with him. David reminds Solomon that God is with him. The writer of Hebrews reminds Christians that God is with us and will not forsake or fail us. And this is, as I mentioned, this is the storyline of Scripture. It's never been that God needs us, or that God needs to be with us, but that God wants to be with us. From the very beginning of Scripture, it is God who is wanting to be with His creation. How kind and how loving He is. And in moments of discouragement, in moments of loneliness and pain, heartbreak, anxiety, concern, and worry, or maybe you're just flat out overwhelmed this morning, remember these very succinct and direct promises from God that you can trust. I am with you. I won't fail you. I won't leave you. I am with you. I won't fail you. I won't leave you. We will never grow out of these simple truths. Deep and rich, full theology though, which is what this is, always motivates and demands a response. It always motivates and demands a response. We don't just look at theology and go, wow, although we do, It's incomplete response. So there's a demanded response here. Notice in verse number 6. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear to their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper Whithersoever thou goest, the response to good, full, rich theology of God is with you, He will not fail you, he will not forsake you, is this: Be strong and of good courage. Be strong and very courageous. This is the attitude that Joshua should possess. And it's stated here three times. Which is a direct connection to three times in Deuteronomy 31 in verse 6, in verse 7, in verse 23. Be strong and of a good courage. Be strong and of a good courage. Be strong and of a good courage. Once it's stated here in verse 6 and once in verse 7. Verse 6, Joshua is to be strong and courageous when it comes to dividing the land among the tribes. That's the context. When it comes to dividing the land... For an inheritance, be strong and courageous. Verse 7, when it comes to following the law that Moses gave you, Joshua, be strong and very courageous in context to the law. In fact, Joshua is to follow the law to a T. Don't turn, God says, to the right, to the left. If you do this, Joshua is promised, that you will prosper wherever you go, Joshua. Be strong and courageous. You observe and do according to what the law of Moses commanded. Then you will be prosperous. But he needs to be courageous. He needs all the law. Now, let me just stop here for a moment and explain this because familiar verses need sometimes us to be contextually honest with it. Which law is this? Well, some believe it's the Ten Commandments. Probably the best way to see this is the law that Moses gave in the first 32 chapters of Deuteronomy, actually. In Deuteronomy 31, I told you we are going to look at Deuteronomy quite a bit, so I know this feels like class a little bit, so bear with me. Deuteronomy 31, verse 24, And it came to pass when Moses had made an end of writing the words of this law in a book until they... We're finished. Now, the context leading up to verse 24 is about the law. Moses then goes on to tell them to put the book of the law inside the Ark of the Covenant. Because Moses knows how rebellious the people are. And they're going to need to hear and read the law over and over again. Now, let me quickly summarize this before we get into another familiar passage on it. Here is God's promise, okay? Stay with me. God's promise is this. I am with you, I won't fail you, and I won't leave you. I'm with you, I won't fail you, and I won't leave you. But your response, Joshua, is this. Be strong and of a good courage. Obey all of God's words. Obey all of them. Don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. Don't miss a word. Pay attention to all of them. So God builds on this for Joshua. The promise of God's presence demands... A response, more of a response, even. So notice these familiar words of verse eight: "This book of the law, which book of the law? The one that Moses wrote, first thirty-two verses. Excuse me, first thirty-two chapters of Deuteronomy. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all to all that is written therein. For then." For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. The idea here, and this is familiar to many, the idea here that the book of the law should not depart out of his mouth seems odd to us. We might think, well, shouldn't Joshua talk about it? Shouldn't Joshua talk about it? What does it mean to not depart out of your mouth? The, the idea here is is about studying it and and listen very carefully, speaking it to yourself the idea in the for the Jews would be to mutter it. We, we kind of you ever read something, you find yourself kind of muttering the words as you read along, and you 're processing it and thinking about it that 's the idea here don 't let it depart out of your mouth so Joshua, the the book of the law that Moses gave you in Deuteronomy do not stop. Studying it, speaking it to yourself, muttering it in your mind and processing it. Don't, don't stop doing that. And then he says that you're going to meditate on it day and night. It, the idea here is that it's to be the law for Joshua. is to be the consistent focus of his mind. He's to intentionally give his mind with the purpose and the mission of, of the Canaan conquest If Joshua wants to see success and victory and prosperity in this purpose, he needs to give himself to study, to speak it to himself, to remind himself of it, and to meditate on the law all the day. Don't let it out of your mind, Joshua. Don't stop focusing on it. Not just meditate on it. Observe everything. Everything that is written in the book of the law. Not a portion of it, All of it. This is the promise to Joshua. You'll make your way prosperous, Joshua, and you'll have good success. Now, listen very carefully. This is Joshua's leadership promise from the Lord. The prosperous way and the good success is in accordance for Joshua with God's standards of what God sees as prosperous And successful. Now hear me. This passage is not a promise to you that your meditation and your attentiveness to God's words will make you prosperous and you successful in the manner in which you hope or dreamed. you got to get that out of your mind. That's prosperity theology. But you absolutely will if you follow in like manner as what Joshua commanded in giving your heart and your attention and your study, you will experience the life-changing work of the Word of God in your life. And the truth is, that's the, that's the success that you actually need. That's the prosperity that you actually need. Needless to say, all though this is directed at Joshua's approach to the law and his leadership of Israel, you and I can take application here, and we should. Now listen very carefully. Joshua 1.8, Joshua 1.7, and into 8, is God's call to have people who are attentive to His words. God has given us His words. You Ask what that is. He has given us one book of his words, and that's the Bible. So listen very carefully. What do I do with this? So number one, not every promise to Joshua here is a promise to your prosperity or your success, but at the very least, Christians can take this and remember that we do not outgrow a regular intake of the Bible in our life, that our focus of our life should be on the reading and studying and observing and meditation of the Word of God, We should think about it, talk about it, preach it to ourselves, speak it to ourselves. We should be in church. We should be in places where it's taught and preached. We should prioritize the Bible in our life. God doesn't promise that you will be successful, but He does promise that success according to His standards only comes through His Word and never a part of it. Never apart from it. You will not maintain a success in the Christian life, apart from attentiveness and prioritization of the Word of God. He goes on in verse 9. He says, Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Here we get God's command to Joshua. It's command with promise. Be strong and of a good courage, Joshua. For this is why and this is the how. If God is with us and God is with you, then go everywhere. Everywhere you go, He is present in your life. And so because of that, listen very carefully, boy, fear is prevalent in our day. And the scripture is good. And God is good to keep His promise that because God is with us, strong courage is possible. Don't believe otherwise. So a quick note here. Verses 1-9, through nine, God instructs Joshua on in two aspects of his conquest. It's an outline for the book of Joshua even, because he's, he talks to Joshua about how he's going to divide the land. He talks about the conquest of the land. The book of Joshua is divided by the conquest of the land and the dividing of the land. So, I've taken quite a bit of time on that one point right there, and I could probably take a lot longer. The next two points are brief, all right? So bear with me. We saw the instructions from God. Number two, I want you to see the instructions from Joshua. We need to understand that Joshua gives instructions to two groups here. I'm going to be quick. The first group is the officers of the people. Look at verse 10. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host. Command the people, saying, Prepare you victuals." This is like provisions. For within three days you shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. Okay? That's the instruction to the officers of the people. These are the leaders of the people. The second group he speaks to are the leaders of the Transjordanian tribes. And I don't have a lot of time for this this morning, but I want you to notice verse 12 all the way through verse 15. To the Reubenites and to the Gadites and to half the tribe of Manasseh spake Joshua saying, Remember the word which Moses the servant of the Lord commanded you, saying, "The Lord your God hath given you rest, and hath given you this land, your wives, your little ones, and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of Jordan, but ye shall pass before your brethren armed all the mighty men of valor and help them until the Lord have until the Lord hath have given your brethren rest as He hath given you, and they also have possessed the land unto the Lord your God given them, and ye shall return." unto the land of your possession, and enjoy it, which Moses the Lord's servant gave you on this side, Jordan, toward the sun rising. Can I, I'm I'm throwing a curveball, can I get the map one more time? There'll be opportunities for me in the book of Joshua to explain the situation with the tribes of Israel and who will settle on and where, but the, the, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh had been granted by God and Moses because they were a people that that uh, their main occupation was to herd cattle and livestock, the better grazing was on this side of the Jordan, and so they had gone to Moses, and God had granted them the opportunity to settle on this side. But the agreement was you must pass over that you can leave your wives and your children over here and your cattle. But the men must pass over Jordan with the other tribes and you must fight until those tribes have rest and then you can go back over the other side. It's called Transjordan on the east side of the Jordan. You can go back over to your people and you can there enjoy the land and rest with your people. But the men must go and fight. And so Joshua says here that your brethren are going to go over armed with some mighty men of valor and, there's, and you're going to help them. And so that was the agreement. That's what Joshua is saying here. And they were to fight until, listen very carefully, until rest, until rest was attained. And then they could go back to their families. Joshua reminds them of this promise that God made them and the promise that they made, these two and a half tribes. They're going to help Israel. And here's what Joshua says, listen very carefully. They're going to help Israel come to the place of rest. And they too will enjoy this rest as well. I need to note for you this morning, the language of rest is very important in the Bible. Listen to the two dimensions of it. In the Old Testament, rest refers to secure borders of a nation and that nation being at peace with their enemies. So for instance, they're going to have rest in the promised land is what Joshua says and so that means they're going to have secure bo- they're going to secure the borders of their country and they will be at peace with their enemies that rest is what the goal is here in the new testament rest is a spiritual salvation it's a spiritual rest the writer of hebrews in chapter 4 makes a makes that distinction uh, very clear and he makes a very distinct point there so we'll come back to that in a moment. But this is God, Moses's excuse me, Joshua's instruction to the officers of the people to prepare, prepare your provisions, prepare your prepare your victuals because we're going to pass over Jordan and we're going to go possess the land. To the Reubenites and the Gadites and half the tribe of Manasseh, you guys get ready, settle your wives, settle your children, settle your livestock because you're going over with us and we're going to get the people rest. All right, we move to the next portion and that's when the response of in Joshua chapter one ends with. The, the leaders responding to Joshua. Notice in verse 16. Be very quick here. And the answer Joshua is saying, All that thou commandest us we will do, and whithersoever thou sendest us we will go, according as we hearkened unto Moses in all things, which is not true, but uh, they said it there, uh, so will we hearken unto thee, only the Lord thy God be with thee, as he was with Moses. Whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandment and will not hearken unto thy words and all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. Only be strong and of a good courage. Every leader loves this. Could you imagine Joshua? Man, they look at Joshua. He says what he says to them. He's heard from God. Now Joshua goes to the people. He tells the people what they need to hear. And they look at him and the leaders say, We'll do what you've told us to do. We'll go where you tell us to go. We're going to listen to the words you speak to us. We want God to be with you like he was with Moses. And anyone, Joshua, who rebels against you, doesn't listen to you, they're going to be dead. Joshua goes, this is going to be easy. Right? It's going to be easy. And they say to Joshua, reminder, Joshua, only be strong and courageous. Only be strong and of a good Courage. So Joshua has heard from God. He's heard from Moses to be strong and courageous. He's heard from God to be strong and courageous. And now he's heard from the leaders, because the leaders need him to be strong and courageous. When I first moved here, there were many decisions and changes to make. It was a very heavy burden. I didn't talk about much. I still don't talk about much. Don't need to talk about much. But one of the men in our church, who's still in our church, would say to me every Sunday morning, walking out of church, he'd grab me by the hand, and he would look me in the eyes. He'd say. Be strong and of good courage. I needed to hear those words. I needed to hear those words. And you need to hear those words. Be strong and of a good courage. Not because you're strong, not because you're courageous, but be strong and courageous because God is with you. He won't forsake you. He won't leave you. He won't fail you. All right. Covered a lot of ground today. I felt like we, we did a, a whole Bible class today on Joshua 1. There's a lot to learn from a chapter like this. So bear with me as we come to conclusion. We have learned and we should learn and make very special note of the good theology we learn about God here. He is with you. He won't ever leave you. And He will not fail you. But that compels... We we understand deep theology and why it matters because it compels deep worship. But listen very carefully. Good theology compels good living. Good theology compels good living. That's why I took 20 minutes this morning and explained those first eight verses. Because we want to be good livers. So we need good theology that forms our life. Because hear me, all day, every day, you are believing some kind of theological framework that is usually extra-biblical. So, reorient your mind and heart this morning to good theology that can bring good living. Now, for two weeks, we've seen the promise of the Lord's presence with Joshua. Imagine Joshua, listen, imagine Joshua trying to fulfill his mission in Canaan without God's presence. Imagine you trying to live anything of Scripture without the Holy Spirit's empowerment. So listen, let me give you three statements here. One, the promise of God's nearness enables the Christian's life of courageous faith. The promise of God's nearness enables the Christian's life of courageous faith. When you are struggling with faith, when you are struggling to live the courageous life, And I'll explain a little bit more about that in a moment. The response is to remind yourself of the theology we heard today. God is with us. God won't fail us. God won't forsake us. So God commands Joshua to be strong and courageous. This call to faith when Joshua would be afraid. think Joshua is sitting there going, this is going to be easy. This is going to be great. No, Joshua is terrified why he needs this and listen the truth is you probably are terrified about something today we're not much different than Joshua the circumstances are different the times are different but we like Joshua struggle with being afraid but here's the truth God commands our faith But let me give you an insight into the whole of Scripture. Sixty-six books, every word, every chapter, every, every, every paragraph. Listen very carefully. God always empowers what He commands. God always empowers what He commands. God has commanded us to believe Him and trust Him and to always be going forward in faith. But God hasn't just commanded it and said, Good luck. Good vibes on your journey. No. God came and supplied the power needed to make this happen. The riches, listen, the riches of the gospel supplied by the Holy Spirit make everything about this possible. As I've said many times, it seems really, really harsh. There are no more excuses for us. Because you have the power now. Let me be clear. There are no more excuses for me. We have the power to obey. We have the power necessary to live in courageous faith. And by the way, this world needs Christians with courageous faith. His presence makes this possible. Second statement. All that seems like law, and it is. Courageous faith is necessary for obedience to God's Word. It is this obedience that God sees as ultimate success. It takes courage. Listen, it takes courage. And it takes strength to be obedient to God's Word. It takes courage. And it's going to take strength. When Joshua eight promises good success... It is success in and of itself to be obedient to God. That's the definition of success. The definition of success is me, you, living in obedience to God. My dad used to say, success is not a line that we take horizontally. It's a line vertically. So when I want my kids to grow up and be successful adults, that success is not in a human standard. It's in a, it's in a spiritual standard. I want my children to grow up knowing how to be obedient to God's word and being reminded that they can be obedient to God's word. And honestly, in our day, it's getting less and less popular to believe the Bible, right? So it takes courage. It's looked down upon. But because God is with us, wherever we go, faith is empowered and obedience is not just possible. But you and I actually want it. So here's the thing. Scripture, God's word without error, tells us that success is faith-filled obedience to God when I seek success tomorrow, that success is ultimately purposed in, I want to obey God in all things. This is the idea here. Uh, We're going to put a little bit of a drawing up that I put in my notes. You kind of see uh, what happens here. Uh, It's God with us drives this. It's courageous faith that drives obedience, that drives success. And in all of this, God is with us. He's with us in our faith. He motivates obedience and he enables the success. This is Joshua chapter one right there. All of this makes it possible because God is with us. Let me press in one more time on this. Success is not the outcome of the Christian's life. Success is not the outcome. It's not, I'm going to find success in the future. Success is the action of obedience to God from a Christian's life. Number three. Now all of this is hard work. And if you think the Christian life is not hard work, somebody lied to you. It's supposed to be hard. But here's the point of all of this. Joshua stressed it to the, tri- to the leaders and to the, trans- the, the Transjordanian tribes. The whole purpose of the promised land The ultimate promise of the land was the promise of rest. Now, think with me very carefully. No more bondage in Egypt, but rest. No more striving with enemies, but rest. No more wandering in a wilderness, but rest. No more longing for home, but now rest. Now, before I conclude this, I told you last week, there was nothing great about the promised land if God was not with His people. Remember that? You remember when when God told Moses, I'm not going? And Moses said, if you don't go with us, we'll be like every other people. There's two parts of this though. I left it insufficient last week. Yes, Moses is right. If God does not go with the people, they'll be like every other people. They'll be like every other people. Here's the other part. If they went into the land and the land was nothing but constant war, bloodshed, death, and so on, and there was no peace, the land would have been like every other place. That's the other dimension of this. If we don't, if God, if you don't go with us, then we'll be like every other people. And if we go there and all we do is fight then that place is like every other place because if we're just fighting in the promised land, we might as well be back in Egypt fighting there or in the promised land fighting there. But the ultimate purpose of the land was to be with God and to be at rest with God. And I told you it's hard work because the truth is we all work hard to find rest. It seems ironic, doesn't it? We all work hard to find rest. I mean, even practically, we go all out to find relaxation, rest, peace, comfort. People spend big money on good mattresses, right? Sleep aids, machines. You know why? Because you are made to crave rest. Both physical and spiritual. You were made to. In fact, it's an absolute miserable life to live with no rest. Joshua's words here to the leaders were, we're going to go in and we're going to find rest. Now, I'll be able to build that more later, but listen very carefully. The Christian message is that God has offered us spiritual rest. Spiritual rest. How does that happen? God with us and our enemies defeated. God with us and our enemies defeated. See, sin had made us constantly at war. War with Satan. War with sin. War with yourself. Sin was going to send us in this great war to hell where we would never find rest. But instead, the eternal Judgment and damnation for our sin. Rest would never be possible in hell. But listen, Jesus Christ, the Greater Joshua, offers to us by His sinless life, His substitutionary payment for our sin on the debt uh, for, for His payment of, uh, for our sin in His death on the cross and in His resurrection, gives us the promise of eternal rest here's what happens jesus promises that he'll never leave us forsake us and then jesus destroys all the enemies of sin death and hell and paves the way for us to enter into rest question for us is will we enter into that rest The writer of Hebrews tells us that the reason some did not enter into that rest is because of unbelief. That's it. Unbelief. So how do I get into that rest? The opposite of unbelief. Belief. Belief. The promise is of rest. Now, the truth is, Jesus offers all the rest that your weary, overwhelmed, and anxious heart can ever need. Jesus offers that rest. That's the promise given to us in Christ. We look at this first chapter and there's so much more I could talk about. I could talk about the centrality of the Bible more. I could talk about all that more. But we see here that the promise of God with us should enable us and drive us to be courageous in faith. Courageous faith. Courageous faith leads us to be obedient to God. But hear me, none of that is possible if we're not first at rest because of Jesus. We're first at rest because of Jesus. There is no success with God apart from faith in Christ. And there is no obedience to God that will ever be successful if it's not first enabled by faith in Christ. That's the story here. Now, I've talked enough. I don't even like hearing myself talk this much. But this is God's word this morning. It's a lot. It's a lot to chew on at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. But I hope it gives you some, some, some good theology to inform your week. And some good tools to studying this passage more. The job here was not me telling you everything. The job is me encouraging you to go home and dig more. Study more. Grow more. And obey more. Because you can. You can. If you're here today, you're watching online, you don't know Christ as your Savior, love to talk with you more about that. You can see me, you can reach out to us here at our church. We'd be glad to share the good news of Jesus Christ with you so that you can find spiritual rest. Let's pray together. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at ravenswoodbaptist.org. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media ministry and outreach ministry of Ravenswood, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Chicago and around the world.